I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Mooney. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it. over the intro for 67 episodes. Out of practice. Just don't hurt yourself, old man. It's all <laughs> downhill from here. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, working away episode by episode season by season through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are talking about season four, episode six, Marooned, and this is episode 67 of the Out of Practice podcast. How's it going, Mike? Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. No, I am not. I have three days. I well, have oh, as I have people about are listening hours. As people are listening, it's tomorrow. Oh God, no! Give me my three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like that bumper is going to get a player to this episode. It just might. I, <laughs> it just might. I, no, I would just like I would like you to consider this. Yours is coming up next year. Yes. No, this year. This year? Yeah, November. Wait. November this year. Well, all right. So next season. Yes, uh, true. So think about everything that is visited upon me today will be visited upon you twice fold in November. So fair warning. I will at some point share with you the the notepad paper of my actual all of my ideas, which I had to which I had to filter through the lenses of what can I actually accomplish? Oh what God. what do I actually want to do? And then what is actually fair? So I it's oh been tamed. God. Uh, it's been tamed quite a bit. I realize that we usually, usually don't do anything for our birthdays, but I wanted to. No, I know you're I marooned out there. You're marooned out there in Cape May uh, from too much family interaction. I was hoping maybe your one of your brothers would take the opportunity to uh, really rip you a new one somehow oh. and send it to me, but they haven't thus far. There's still a whole nother week of episode that really encapsulates your birthday period. I- you know, to be to be entirely fair, Scott definitely never listened to an episode, and fair. Sean is busy like parenting his six year old as a single parent working from home during the apocalypse. He has better things to do. Yeah, you know, just as a shout out, it, I he happened to follow me on on Instagram, so I followed Did him I? back, and I kind of was perusing. You know, how you do that first follow, and you start perusing the like last couple weeks of posts. Sure, sure. And I actually had the very same thought about your brother. I was like, "Damn, he is he is working right now." Also, yeah. your nephew seems super cool. Is he the same nephew with the with the fart with the fart yes. song? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I am a big well, fan. In fact, the best part of uh my week now 
and he, he might show up in this episode because you never know what's going to happen, is that he and I have been FaceTiming daily to play Minecraft together. Oh, that's awesome. Which is super, super fun with my with my new iPad. So, uh, yeah, who knows? He might just call while we're on the air. Well, I think that, you know, nothing in the world has changed much, even though it feels like it has. It feels like everybody has just quit quarantine. Right. Even though, look, see our last five episodes. You know how Keith and I feel about this. So we're going to keep today's episode energy up. We're going to keep it happy and flowing. Let's uh, let's start the show. Okay, well, let's start it with our favorite. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Now, I've already sort of screwed up here because we have uh, something even more exciting to talk about before we get into filings and subpoenas, although it is sort of related, and that is... We have a new... Founding sponsor, Cloud Lover 69, my nemesis and quite possibly Tom Brady, has joined Leanne Wrights as a founding sponsor of the Out of Practice podcast. Thank you for joining. We don't know who you are, but we are happy you're part of the family. And in Out of Practice podcast style, he began by screwing up. He donated a dollar a month. And then, on top of that, donated four ninety nine a month. <laughs> I'm not sure if he did that on purpose or if it was a mistake. But you're currently over donating, so the uh, every I think everything involving us is a mistake. So congratulations, congratulations. No, thank you. I'm so sorry is the word I want to say. But thank you so much, CloudLover69 and Leanne Wrights as our founding sponsors. If you would like to join them on the Mount Rushmore. I'll leave the music up. What's that? I'll leave the music up. Oh, yeah. If you'd like to join them on the Mount Rushmore, you can do so by checking out the show notes in each and every episode, clicking on that link to donate one time to throw us a couple bones or become a founding sponsor with a monthly contribution. Okay. Well, well thank you so much for what a, what an exciting uh exciting new thing this week. All yeah, right. Yeah, we're really uh we're happy. We've been getting a lot more engagement on social media and people are enjoying the show and and you know, we 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 perf- we purposely chose a really niche uh subject matter so that we wouldn't have to actually deal with people. And uh, we're happy to have been proven wrong. We did think we will find an audience for this, and uh, we have, and we thank we thank each and every one of you. <laughs> I think we chose to podcast so we didn't have to deal with people. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, back into filings and subpoenas. Uh, I realized. Oh wait, uh, I have a. To myself. And that is. So last week, when uh, Brandon Moclair Augustine emailed us, he, in the subject line, said, still listening, meaning all the way to the end of the episode. Because a couple of episodes ago, during the final, uh, during the playout, we did a test to see if anybody was listening all the way to the end of the playout. And we said we would plug anything you give us. And he put in the email that he sent, to plug his Instagram, 
which is grain underscore escape, which I mentioned, but did not give its full actual plug that we promised. So guys, check out Brandon's Instagram at uh, grain underscore escape. And I checked it out myself. It's a whole bunch of terrific New York City photographs, uh, a lot of sort of street scenes and people, and he shoots on real film. So uh, you cannot escape the grain of real film. Uh, so anyway, actually check it out. That was, uh, I, I did not do a good plug. So there but, it is. But your co-host here did put it on our show notes. Oh, did you? I did. So it did get its actual plug. And now that okay. you've mentioned it again, I have to put it in the show notes again. So. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Brandon. Happy birthday, I guess. Uh, Brandon, if you notice absolutely no change to your Instagram followers, <laughs> you are enjoying the out of practice bump. Oh, yeah, that is, <laughs> don't expect anything, but we did it. <laughs> oh, I, I, this is episode 67. There are no expectations left. No. All right, next up, we heard from Phoenix Cage, who sent us his own headshot, because in, he says, in solidarity with Mike's self-haircut, I decided to shave my head today. I think it looks pretty good. I suppose that's why I've also shaved it every day for the past eight years. And it does. It's a good. It's a good headshot. He's got a nice bokeh on that too. He's got that nice uh, shallow depth of field. It's our our uh, our our listeners are very tech savvy. They're very good looking and they're very funny. So thanks for chiming in, Phoenix. All right. So is it my turn? I think it's your turn. So. I had, uh, I late to the game, I posted out to our social media followers uh, to throw you a happy birthday since I, I checked with the panel and they have assured me that you are not eligible for any oopsies. Oh, clearly not. And so the best we could do is ask But wait, for, wait, 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 I forgot. Uh, uh, which birthday is it? Oh, it's this one. Okay, good, good. I'll try to remember. And, uh, of course, they have through next episode as well, because your birthday will air, will actually be after the airing of this current episode. So I'm going to give right. them until next week. So you're going to get your full celebratory week. We're going to have extra, <laughs> uh, hopefully some more things coming in. Uh, but I just wanted to uh, let you know that on the Facebook, we heard from an Arlene Kohler, who says happy birthday. Oh, she's an old friend from work. Uh, Scott Maupin, our own, our buddy, writes in, hey, Keith, happy birthday. I hope whatever you were planning for your 40th originally... You had a good plan B. Hope it's a good one. <laughs> plan B is uh, being here in this place in Cape May for the foreseeable future. Now, Keith, let's give him his full credit. That plan yeah. B in quotes is is a is an, Abs an uh, yes, absolutely plan B. I, believe me, I catch the plan B. Uh, our boy Jorge Novoa. I even tried to give it the full. That's just as bad. <laughs> no, no, it's good. You'll see why I think it's appropriate. Because, oh, okay. Oh. Uh, because he wrote in, he's like, oh, man, you wanted them written? I misheard. Please disregard my voicemail. Well, we will not disregard regard it. Regard. We will not disregard anything. Regard it. Uh, we will not disregard it, uh, Jorge. Jorge. I'm really trying to just pronounce things right. Uh, because Jorge writes in, or and he just wanted to send you this message, Keith. Oh. <gasps> Hey guys, this is Jorge. I uh, just wanted to wish Keith a happy birthday. I'm going to keep it short. 
because I've already recorded about 27 of these and it's getting really uh, embarrassing. So happy birthday. Take care. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Oh, that made my day. Uh, yeah, thanks for writing in. Uh, and, and thanks for... Uh, you're all. Please always send us voicemails. As you found, we will spend seven hours on an episode to play everything. So. Oh, we love voicemails. So thanks for writing in. It was good to hear from you. Uh, we thank also you. We also heard from, let's see... Uh, Richard Templeton, Templeman, uh, old old friend of the pod, who writes just cheers. He just gives you a little toast. I'll take it. Uh, over on the Instagram, a bunch of likes and a bunch of happy birthdays. Let me go ahead and quickly pull it up real quick. Oh, good stalling. Yeah, Leanne writes, of course, writes in happy birthday to honorary internet dad, Keith, and his legendary wit. Legendary? I'm going to get a t-shirt with that. Yep, not so, you know, enjoy it now while it lasts, because you won't get any compliments from me. <laughs> LRM Entertainment Media, who doesn't, Linda. yeah, hasn't written in in a while, but I definitely know she's been listening, so thank you for that. Also, uh, a, a shout out to uh, Marla Sokolov, who is oh, yes. not affiliated with Marla Sokolov, but is a fan account, I'm guessing. Uh, has been uh, gave us a like and shoots you a happy birthday and has been giving uh, a lot of reposts of our stuff. So thank you. Well, Shout thanks out. Thanks for that. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, I, th- there's a there's a fair amount of uh, Marla Saka love here on this podcast as well. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of episodes I can recommend. Uh, and then just to round <laughs> things out, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout Keith a shout out uh, Nicholas Booth, Eric Morris, uh, and An- Ankatha S. Elise, uh, Nation of Podcasting, uh, Chris Varney, Game Boys, the account, uh, and some other other oh, podcasts very... have all given you a, li- a, a, a little happy birthday love. That is very sweet. I I am I am touched and I appreciate genuinely all of this. This is this is great. Now, everybody, you still have a week, so if you uh, if you miss the boat and you want to write in, I know a lot of people also haven't caught up to us via episodes, Keith. I think that's. Right, uh, right. You know, so imagine you're going to get some birthday love probably a couple months from now when the when the wave crests over this way to season four. <laughs> well, it, it's okay. I'm I I I am like thrilled and delighted and touched. Uh, I, I'm I'm not someone who even lists my birthday on Facebook. So yeah, had I not brought it up, I I don't even think we'd be talking about it. So desperately not. Although no. we did talk about it last year because I remember you mentioning that your mom used to play you that cassette tape that you had. Still, oh, that's right. That Happy Birthday, Keith. That's right. Yeah, well, and I'm expecting uh, trouble from my family even remotely uh, because of, I, as I mentioned last week, we really assassinated my father on his 40th birthday and I was in on it and now, I Keith, enjoyed it very much. Can we get a little sentimental for about four minutes? Four. Okay. All right. Settle in. I nope. I thought about editing this down, and then I decided, you know what? He put so much work into it. At this point, we're not going to edit him just yet. Uh, our good buddy Phoenix Cage. He didn't just send us his haircut. He has a, a message for you, Keith, in response oh to not only your birthday, but also a conversation we had last week about uh, getting in shape uh, and how we we were a little jiggly. And I believe you referenced yourself as a couch. and i think our fans by now our fans (laughs) i i think listeners by now listener i i say 
<laughs> I think they know that we're it was part of our whole thing. We're we're pretty self-deprecating individuals. Yes. Uh, but nonetheless, Phoenix Cage writes in with a personal story that he wanted to share, and I thought that it would be a good opportunity in this uh, new world and in celebration of your birthday uh, to to play it out. So here's a little message from good friend of the pod, Phoenix Cage. I'm so excited. Hey guys, it's Phoenix again. For this message, I've decided to share a personal story. I spent the better part of a decade in a depression without even realizing it. During that time, sugary foods became my dopamine fix. Gave me a burst of energy and momentarily brought me to life. I gradually gained weight and eventually I was borderline obese. But then three years ago, a traumatic event of deep personal loss shocked me right out of the numbness that I was in for all those years. See, my depression had kept me safe, but it also weighed me down and insulated me from the world. Then, like an ancient suit of armor, suddenly crumbled to pieces. After that, the pain was so real I could barely eat for two weeks. I lost 15 pounds. But then, once I started eating again, I didn't come back to all the high-sugar foods, all the little desserts that came after every meal. And I started commuting eight, eight miles every day on a bike. Within a few months, I had lost over 30 pounds. Since then, I've been staying vigilant, and I've kept the weight off. But then this year, hmm, I've taken it to a whole new level. I decided I'm going to radically change my diet. I have always lived on a high-carb diet, even after removing the sugar. So it's finally time to change that. I gave myself a couple of months to ramp into a ketogenic diet. But then after three weeks, cravings got pretty bad, went a little crazy, started Facebook stalking local bakeries. So I decided to <laughs> ease back and take a more moderate approach. Where I've landed is still quite far from my old diet. I've increased my protein and fat while significantly decreasing carbs. Try to limit them to one meal per day. After doing that last month, I lost 10 pounds. At the same time, also been consistently breaking all the monthly exercise records that I've set over the past decade. I'm not new to fitness. See, in college, I was a runner. I would sprint five miles six times a week. Back then, I was also training in the dojo three days a week. I was in great shape. Now, now I'm only five pounds away from what I was back then. Guess what, Keith? I'm also only nine months away from turning 40. No shit! Now, I'm not calling a brag, only to tell you what is possible for us old men. <laughs> Our 40s are going to be exactly what we decide to make it. See, Keith, I used to be a couch too, but I decided when I turned 40, I want to be a wicker chair. <laughs> now, what do you want to be? 
Come on. <laughs> Keep running, and let's both be patio furniture together. <laughs> Happy 40th, buddy. Hope it's a good one. And I hope 41 is even better. Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. That is hilarious. All right, if I were going to be a chair, I think I think I would be like a really good like rolling office chair. Yeah, multi-purpose, versatile. Versatile, no arms so that I can play piano with it. I've come but, like, late in my life support. Yeah. I've come late in my life to well, I've always loved the Poang chair, the IKEA Poang. It's very comfortable. But I've come recently to the wingback chair. Oh. It's better for the posture, but it's still really comfortable, and it's a great uh, addition next to the recliner. We have both the recliner and the wingback, so you have options. That, that, no, that's true. I think I like to be a little comfier than the wingback, but I, 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 I'm sure it's better for your back and better for your all things. But yeah, so I, I want a multi. I want to be a multitasking chair. I want to be able to zip around the room doing various things. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll i tell you this, Phoenix. I Before we recorded today, I did my uh, my accountability, did my 11th day of uh, couch to half marathon training. And I, you know, didn't want to, but I did anyway. You know, for years, we've been talking about going for runs together, Keith. So I, when you get back to the city, that's your accountability. We're going out for a run. Well, but here's the thing. I do not run at your level. I run very slowly and very sadly. You would consider my running walking. Well, here's the thing. And I, my wife used to say the same thing to me. And I always kick back that that is that's part of your psyche talking. People who want to go for runs, it has you don't go for a run with a buddy because you're trying to set land speed records. You want well, I don't mean that. I'm just saying you would be bored to tears. No, we'll be chatting. It's going to be great. <laughs> So one more message. Actually, there's something a little bit later, but oh my one God. more message for some from some friends of the pod. Uh, now, this is a visual treat, so oh I'm going to put God. it on social media when the episode drops. Uh, but until then, for people listening, I'm going to let you describe it after you see it. So this oh is just God. a little this, internal for Keith. This keeps happening. Uh, can you see my screen, Keith? I can. I can. I've optimized for full screen, so you should be able to get a good view. I'm in it. All right, here you go. <clears throat> Yes! Happy birthday, Happy birthday to you. You sexy bitch. Happy birthday to you. Oh my god. Oh. It took way longer than it should have. That must have taken you forever. One more time internally, and then you can tell the good people what they're seeing. Oh God! Well, there's looks like a cake being shot with a machine gun, and then of course the entire practice cast singing along with a uh, with the Kittleson cameo. With a Kittleson cameo. Wow. Wow, guys, I can't wait for you to see that. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Mike, so, you went all out today. Yeah, man. Well, I, I said it last week, and I mean it. You're uh, 
you're such a good buddy, and um, this is such a the the best most fun part of my life currently. So I wanted to make sure we uh we gave you proper recognition for your your big day. Oh man, I I I I do very I am very sheepish about birthdays, and oddly for somebody with my profession, uh, uncomfortable with the attention, but I really do appreciate it. It is very very sweet and much appreciated. Okay, so let's just assume that's all the filing and subpoenas we have, and let's move forward with our podcast. It is time. All right. Well, 25 minutes in, we're getting Here we to... go. This day in the basement. Okay, we are hopping in the time machine back to November 7th, 1999. It was a Sunday, and what was happening in Ithaca, New York? I cannot wait to show you um, I forgot that we were doing this. I forgot what it was. Well, you know, we've been More talking visual. about my, my college experience and how kind of depressing it was uh, in the beginning. And I was just talking to my wife about it because it's funny that, what, 20 some years later, after I kind of blew the first opportunity I had, you know, I had gone in as a, a sound recording major with a minor in vocal performance. And I was set in my first uh, voice studio was I was actually set as a countertenor. And oh, right. Which I makes just, sense with you doing all your Frankie now. Yeah, it's such a different oh when I we and when I was 19 years old, it, my I was just that was my voice was so high. Anyway, and now all these years later, even though I, I didn't pursue any of those avenues, I my my passions are still very similar and I'm kind of trying to figure out a lot of audio stuff and and singing. I've been singing high and falsetto since it's just it's interesting that it I wasn't ready. You know, sometimes in life you're just not ready for certain things Absolutely. at certain times. And it's all sure. timing. That's as you get older, you start to realize two big things I realized as I've gotten older is that timing is everything. And you have to do things on your time and your pace. Otherwise it's not worth it. You just won't be as committed because passion, as you and I have discovered, is is what fuels everything. Yeah, no question. And passion and timing are 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 soulmates, really. And also relationships and quote unquote love, you know, we're talking about all this college heartbreak and high school heartbreak and love right. and, and how it takes till you're, I think you're a little bit older to really understand what relationships and love really are because a lot more goes into it than just sort of that flutter flutter you feel, you know, in the heat yeah. of the spring. What the hell was I talking about? Anyway, <laughs> nothing, almost literally nothing from my first college uh, foray exists. I don't, uh, nothing mm. from that time period really exists. Um, like, you know, you have all your old songbooks and stuff and a lot of that stuff I don't have anymore. But what I do have, and I couldn't believe I found it, is one concert. One concert I did with the Ithaca College Choir uh, remains. And I have a bootleg really? of it. And of, I was a freshman, so I was only in one tune. Um, but it was this... Uh, I'm going to just play a bit of it. Oh, I can't wait. Let's hear this. The quality is bad. I think I've sung this. I think it's Barber? Not quite. I can't remember. Sounds sounds barberish, but I could very easily be wrong. I'm going to jump to the end.
But those people are covering their mouths, coughing. Yeah, right. It's a beautiful piece. Yeah. It's probably what, like an E. So anyway, that... Uh, it's a D, yeah. That was it. That was it for Ithaca College and Mike singing. <laughs> well, it was not it for Mike singing. It might have well, been I meant it singing for Mike there. singing at Ithaca. Yeah. It oh, was. that's beautiful. How did you have that? Was it a... Did you find a cassette tape of that? Uh, So years ago, I guess... Now, this was the time, you'll remember this period of time, was Napster was huge. Mm -hmm. And so what I think happened was someone either had a bootleg or they recorded it for rehearsal or something. I know we got a copy of it and I digitized it for my Napster library. And a good portion, <laughs> a good portion of my Napster library I've held on to on this old external hard drive, which I keep uploading to different services. Right now I'm a oh, Google, yeah. Google Music guy. And so I luckily tagged it Ithaca so when I just googled in my like all of my stuff Ithaca to find some oh, stuff for this smart. database and it came up and it happens to be tagged November of 99 so uh, it's right it's pretty pretty accurate to time oh that's awesome yeah well I speaking of like not having any records and so on I'm I'm also in pretty a pretty blank period both memory wise and uh, possessions wise but about 20 minutes before we started recording, I was wandering around the house talking to Jillian, trying to figure out what in the hell happened at that point that I could possibly remember. And then I was like, wait, I think in the first couple months of, of dating the girl I was dating, my college girlfriend, we went to we went to a ball. Like an actual like ballroom dancing in tuxedos and waltzing and shit. And I was like, yeah, what was that? And I actually looked it up, and it jogged my memory. This weekend, we went to the University of Rochester Queer Ball. ball okay. Which was, it says here on the website, it's a dance catered to individuals who belong to the LGBTQ plus community and allies created in order to give a safe space to party and be queer. And what I realized was, the only way she was able to get me to go to a ball in my tuxedo entails uh, was because it was supporting gay rights. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll do that. But uh, the idea was to give a safe space uh, to, to people in the LGBTQ plus community. And now that I remember it, I made that space distinctly less safe <laughs> because I was dancing. <laughs> because it was, I, as as Mike knows, am an enthusiastic but not good dancer. And highly high enthusiasm and low skills is a very dangerous combination. Yeah, it's not a cocktail that is made. It's not a recipe for success. Generally. No, 
especially when like waltzing backwards with no idea what I was doing. Uh, but we totally went to that and that was really fun. And that is a one of the few things I can remember from that time. And according to this, it looks like they still they still do it. The posting that I found here was from 2017. So I'm assuming they're still doing it at the uh, University of Rochester. So that's what was happening that day in the basement. Which brings us to something new or something old. But check this out. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. (laughs) Whose voice is that? I had presents for everyone, too. Wow. That's my brother-in-law, Eric. Hey, Eric. He can, I was hey. like, Eric, you want to do a quick voiceover job? <laughs> That's amazing. It saves like 20 minutes of bumpers, too. I, I know. Well, you know, we <laughs> what we need is more bumpers. Right. So don't you worry. Okay, so this day in the world, as I mentioned, this is November 7th, 1999. The number one song continued to be... We got a live version this time. Santana with Rob Thomas, Smooth. The top movie was The Bone Collector, mm, that's which a was one. a Denzel and Angelina Jolie movie. Took in $16.7 million. The local paper of the Burlington Free Press, the question was, who has the right to wed as we continued the battle to support civil unions in Vermont? Yes. All right. Thank you, Santana and Rob Thomas. Okay. That brings us to everyone's favorite segment. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Sports, sports, sports. The Giants were on a bye. So we all watched the Philadelphia Eagles get destroyed by the Carolina Panthers, 33-7, dropping them to 2-7 on the season. Steve Spurline threw three touchdowns in the win. Deuce Staley scored the Eagles' mercy touchdown with 2.37 remaining. Donovan McNabb completed eight passes for 68 yards with no touchdowns and an interception. How many times did he throw it into the ground? More than once, I'm sure. <laughs> all of the times. Okay, well, that gets us through this day in the... Keith, for your birthday, I'm not even going to do the weather report myself, but fear not. (laughs) This week's weather report was written in by founding sponsor, CloudLover69. (laughs) Yes! CloudLover69 writes in, Happy birthday, Keith. The week of May 18th to May 24th in 1980 in Burlington, Vermont, started (laughs) off with a dreary Sunday with temperatures in the high 50s to low 60s and light rain from morning to afternoon. Then again at night, continuing into Monday the 19th. Monday started off with a cool rainy morning, reaching the week's low of 44.77 degrees Fahrenheit around 1025 a.m. The temperatures warmed up that afternoon, reaching a high of 72 degrees Fahrenheit that night. Tuesday the 20th, your Ah, birthday. The important one. So, 
<laughs> saw a foggy morning and temperatures ranging from a low of 50 all the way to a high of 73 degrees Fahrenheit. But Wednesday the 21st was an overcast day <laughs> oh with 93% cloud cover with a low of 58 degrees in the morning and a high of 76 that night. Tuesday or Thursday was warm and partly cloudy and reached the week's high of 86.11 degrees Fahrenheit at approximately 7.25 p.m. Friday, in Vermont? That's crazy. Yeah. According to Cloud's, Cloud Lover 69, Friday was also partly cloudy with temperatures were similar to Thursday. Cloud coverage increased to mostly cloudy on Saturday the 24th, and it was slightly cooler than Friday. With a low of 52 degrees and a high of 79 degrees, hope you both have a great day. Best, Cloud Lover 69. Oh, my God. <laughs> we are pulling out all the stops today, Keith, because to remind you, and it's very important to remember this. Wow. Will there be no end to the surprises That's of it. this episode? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. All right. Well, you know what? It's time. Oh, you know what? I think we have somebody calling in with some opinions uh -oh. about how much time we've been wasting. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of 405. 406. Where are we? 406. 406. Uh, oh my god okay this is season four episode six entitled marooned it was written by david e kelly and todd ellis kessler who last wrote on legacy and axe murderer oh so was, he's he's like in the upper echelon of writers now because he's gotten he's got those are good close, episodes too yeah too close yeah. to each other and it was directed by Jeannot soir once again, who last directed Home Invasions, which leaves us with the eternal question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Well, there is no previously on this week since we closed a pretty big arc last week. We're starting anew. And so I don't have much to go on. What I'll say is that since we had a pretty focused episode with Bobby the past two weeks, I think that this is one of those weeks where we're going to go to the B team. And the alternate team, not the B team. There's no B team in this cast. The plan B team. Uh, so I think that we're going to get a feature here with maybe whose week should it be? I feel like Eugene hasn't said anything in weeks. Yeah. So I feel like we need to get like a Eugene Eleanor type of week. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that that we're going to see a focus on Eugene and Eleanor and then as a sea story to get back to Marooned, I think that we're going to talk about some sort of a fisherman, <laughs> some sort of a random like pirate type fisherman is suing some pirates. Yeah, let's get. I got nothing else, man. Look, I've been, sometimes I've, you're so good at this, and then there's <laughs> weeks like this. Yeah, well, so I'm guessing there's no fishermen. <laughs> well, find out about after this ad for Fisherman's Friends Anchor, which is kind of like fishing. Yeah, fishing for attention. 
And we're back. So we need another president. President Trump, I know you've been getting raked over the coals. Would you like to do the honors this week and introduce the episode? I would like to talk about uh, the practice. I can't really read. Uh, Season four, episode six, marooned just like I've been in a president. No one has been treated worse than me. I'm marooned. So actually, before we start... What? Uh, I just rolled th- it. I know, I know. Thanks, Donald. Uh, <laughs> yes, out of... Ironic, uh, we're going to be hearing from Donald before we get into this. Uh, just fair warning, uh, mm. and, and, this, and, and I, I mean this in all seriousness, um, this episode is about childhood sexual abuse and uh, sort of does a fair amount of work in that world. Uh, so... If uh, I, I not necessarily a trigger warning, but just just fair warning that it's going to get into that. Um, if you have a relationship with that, which of course many of us do, also sounds like a fair uh, pre warning to your co host to check his sense of humor and make some <laughs> make some alterations as we move forward. Makes so <laughs> make your comedic decisions <laughs> with that in mind. Uh, we have entered a looks like a lockup. And Rebecca is coming in. Rebecca Washington looks like her client is being held. Yes. Well, we're here. Tomorrow we start. Are we ready? As ready as we're going to get, I think. The DA offered murder two this afternoon, just like we thought he would. And you turned it down? Yes. Tell me something good, Rebecca. I need to hear something good. Oh, I know something good. Well, it won't be long till we know what's going on. That's good. Have you my heard about? Have you heard my visit. ska band from the '90s? She doesn't want to get up there. Can they make her? She doesn't want to. Well, unfortunately, siblings can be forced to testify against each other. There's no privilege. What if There's she no says she forgets? There's no privilege for siblings, huh? That won't do us any no. good, Jan. She has to tell the truth. Plus, they already have her statement to the police. We're not trying to hide. What happened? We just have to explain why. Why I killed my mother. Exposition! Yes. Lady who killed her mother! Princess Mattress High! (laughs) Princess Mattress High! (laughs) Ah, Amazing! Uh, This is Bonnie Root. From Justified, the event, Cold Case, and Trinity. Tell me something good. I need to hear something good. All right, my ska band from the 90s. I thought Eight made it very clear. <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited that this is going to be a Rebecca episode. And you were right in your prognostication. Well, I that... did say Eugene, to be fair. Well... Yes, but it is somebody we haven't given an episode to in a while, and I'm always psyched for a Rebecca episode. Keith, just because, this just in from our intern, I have to point this out. That was Randall yeah. Thompson's Alleluia. Oh, Randall Thompson. All right. Well, it's sort of barber. Similar. Thanks, Jen. Did you look I, up the Ithaca College Concert Choir? That's crazy if you found out our exact program. Yeah, how did you find that? And why am I not on the text? I, the intern <laughs> left me off of the text. Uh, this is unacceptable. That was the last cup. 
Well, we can make more. I don't have time to wait. I have to be in court. What's going on? She just drank the last cup of coffee. Well, you We're don't bickering seem to for need no it, reason, Rebecca. as usual. Oh, funny, Eleanor. Do I torment you as you're about to head off for trial? Oh, torment? Right. Now I'm tormenting that you? That was the last cup. We ready? No, we're not ready. I'm going to have a caffeine headache because she just swooped in and chugged the pot. Oh, okay, Rebecca, so this I is not in character. Rebecca, this is not. For a second. Isn't unwarranted, unbridled rage Eleanor's thing? It's or Lindsay this, sometimes. It, yes, it is basically a characteristics of being a female in this world is that often you're just furiously angry for no reason. Um, well, cooler heads will prevail. Bobby's there. Ugh. You're nervous. It has got nothing <laughs> to Rebecca, they sell coffee on the way to the courthouse. They sell it at the courthouse. You'll get your coffee. That's not the point. What's the point? Oh, my God. Oh Jen, my God. way to go. That's amazing. Ready? All set. Good research. Swooped in and chugged it. Swooped in and chugged it. Mark Simmons. Yeah, that was New him. New York. I picked her up at the airport. We drove together to Mom's. We were going to celebrate her birthday. Your sister's? Yes. And it was just a normal dinner until the cake. That's when. Well, it was German chocolate cake. Mm. Is that significant? Jan is allergic to coconut. Oops. Very allergic. And she got upset. Fan. Angry with mom. And then mom got defensive. She said she just remembered that there was something about chocolate cake, German chocolate cake, that. She thought it might be Jan's favorite cake. Well, that just spiraled into one of their fights. They started screaming at each other. And I couldn't stay and listen to them. One of their fights. What were they fighting about? This Jan is the sister, claims yes. that my father sexually yes. abused her. For years. She thinks mom knew and looked the other way. Was it true? Did your father sexually abuse your sister? Objection, foundation. Sustained. Did you ever see your father abuse her? No. Did Jan ever tell you she was being abused by her father? Another fan. Not back then. Only later. A few years ago, after he had already died. Did you believe her? Objection, relevance. Sustained. Did you ever see any evidence that supported your sister's contention that she had been sexually abused? No. All right, back to that night. What did you do while your mother and sister were arguing? I just left. I told them I wouldn't be a part of it. I went out to my car and just sat there, crying, actually. And then what happened? I heard screaming. I ran inside and I saw the blood all over the place. And I found Jan in the kitchen. She couldn't move. She was just sitting there, like, in a, in a haze. And my mother was lying on the kitchen floor. The knife still in her. She'd... She'd killed Mom. Great performance here. Yeah. All right. Sister was working really hard to get her sister go to go to jail forever. Mm. <laughs> ah, yes, <laughs> the A team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So this sister trying to get her sister in jail for killing their mother is Jessica Steen from Armageddon, Left Behind 3, Heartland, NCIS, Flashpoint, and was a regular on Earth 2. Objection. She's not trying to get her sister arrested. She's just being honest. Eh, fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, just fair, just to mention it. I know that lawyer from somewhere. The prosecutor here is William Atherton, who we have last seen in the greatest episode of the series, Sex, Lies, oh. and Monkeys. Wait, uh, let's talk about who's the judge. That judge is William Camp, back as Judge Campanella, who we have seen uh, multiple times on The Practice. So if we've if we're going to discuss this later, you can tell me. But is the father still in the picture? Father's dead. They mentioned it. So it's possible that he was a pirate or a fisherman. <laughs> is it not he possible? Might- uh, well, I I think there's <laughs> objection establishment. How do you establish that fact? The uh, uh, anything I say here is gonna not be funny. So I'm gonna just uh, I'm just saying it's possible. It is, I guess technically it is possible he was a pirate. <laughs> Napster baby. Oh my god. Oh, Lindsay's in her wedding dress. You like it? Like it? Lindsay, you're the most beautiful. Oh my no, God, no, you're no, just... No, 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 pins, pins. Oh, I'm so sorry. She's just so beautiful. Helen is now hugging the attendant oh, in a God, stupid like rom-com beat. Yes. That is beneath the show. It's, well, it's, it's this weird trope they have. It's when an episode is going to be heavy, they put in these weird comedic beats. They feel like they have to balance it, even though, you know, I think viewers are smarter than that. Yes. But networks usually aren't. When so. you picked your sister that up at the airport and drove her to true. your mother's house, did she seem different to you in any way? Well, this is a new sh- that's a new shot yeah. we don't usually and see. And you said the dinner was uneventful until your mother brought out the birthday cake. Yes. So before the cake was served, sister it would have been unthinkable stand. for your sister to attack your mother. Young. Objection. Sustained. Prior to that dinner, had you any reason to think your sister might be a violent person? No. Jan's always been a quiet person. A gentle person. And when you found your sister in the kitchen, you said she was, quote, in a haze. Did you say anything to her? Yes, I was screaming at her, asking what happened. Did she respond? No, she, she just sat there. Like a zombie. Uh, like a zombie? That's what you were going to say? Aloud, if you would. Yes. Thank you. That's all. Murmur, 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 murmur. Hubbub, hubbub, hubbub. You did. Well, she didn't say anything that damaging, at least not... Beck, that was her sister. The jury's gonna go back in that room and say her own sister testified against her. Plus, to make insanity... All right, to make up for my crappy predictions earlier, my reading of the script thus far, and... This because Rebecca's more high strung than generally. I mean, we've seen her in some pretty dire circumstances. Really, be cool, be a cool, cool cucumber. Unless there was a rat involved. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but she had a she had something against rats. She had history with rats. So something's telling me that 
we're going to find out. Remember that great beat? I can't remember what episode it was. But there was a great beat between Eugene and Eleanor. They were like leaning against the office door way back you in mean, time. You mean Rebecca, season one, episode six. Yes, exactly. I, I have no idea why I know that off the top of my head. You know the beat I'm talking because we we loved that beat where we got, we we assumed we learned something that she maybe had lost a baby or maybe there was a lot. An abortion, yeah. Yeah, like there was so much subtext and it was so well played. I feel like there's something here now. Like she has some sort of history in this this universe of abuse. Um, and if that's not discussed in the script or in the arc, then it's just friggin' great acting. Agreed. We got to prove that she was having a flashback of some prior abuse. Well, we can't even really seem to prove the abuse happened in the first place. Now, are you ready with the doctor? I'm ready. It's bad luck for you to see me in it first. But I just wanted to give you a peek of the material. It is so great. The material of Bobby. Isn't it gorgeous? Touch it. What's this? My wedding dress. You know, the things brides wear at the ceremony? Lindsay, I thought you were going to wear my mother's wedding dress. What? Wait, we what? We talked about this. We talked about me wearing your mother's wedding dress? Yes. I mean, the very night I proposed, I said you walked down the aisle wearing... My mother's wedding dress. I mean, I, I've been saving it. Wait, what? I don't remember you saying anything about wearing... I talked about how beautiful it is. I don't remember. And how great you look in it. Bobby, I don't remember. How we... could you not remember? I'd just been stabbed and then you proposed and... I mean, I don't remember you saying anything okay, about... Okay, uh, never mind. This is beautiful. I'm sure they'll take it back. Oh! Whoa! Oh, shit, Bobby. Bobby. What, do we know his mom? We, we've met his dad. No, his mom is dead. Wait. Objection! I can hear the objection from the other room, my wife. <laughs> Je Jen, come in here for a second. Can you imagine? Come come on in for a second. Oh my god, we're getting an impromptu uh impromptu guest. We're gonna we're gonna make it real brief. All right. Ready, Jen? I'm gonna ask you a question. Had I proposed to you and said that you have to wear Rita's yellowing <laughs> no. wedding dress from 1973, your answer would have been? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Come closer to the microphone. Right about here. That would be a no. All right. <laughs> you heard it here. No. You heard it here first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bobby's like, oh, I'm sure they'll take it back. The custom dress that you had built for yourself. So oh, not Bobby. only did he ask her to wear his dead mom's wedding dress, which is, uh, I've heard crazier things. Okay, sure, but he did so clearly. She just said, in this short period of time, right after she had been brutally stabbed multiple times. <sighs> right, because she's literally like on every medication in the world. Her organs are on the outside of her. Now, to, yeah. To be fair, I made Jen sign the prenup. Uh, when she was heavily dosed on morphine, so. Well, I mean, naturally. But wait, uh, let's just do the math on that for a second. Okay. You, Jen, which direction should that prenup be going in? Oh, yeah, that's why I had to have her sign it, so that I could get all her shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Take it back? The detective will be quick. Then we'll put up Dr. Starger, 
And then you, Jan. Okay. It's a little too soon to tell. Yikes. His Gonna mother? Be, uh... Yes, he expects me to wear the dress that she wore. I've seen a picture of his mother. She was built like a dump truck. Helen, you cannot not <laughs> wear not the dress you have made. That's it's pretty a big deal to him. There. You know him and his mother. He gets very emotional. Have you seen what she wore? No. I'm sure it's hideous. All right, let's think about this. He's been saving it since she died. Okay, here's how you play it. Uh, honey, I'd love to wear your mother's dress. Then when you see it, for whatever reason, it just won't work. Lie to him? Yes, on this, absolutely. See the dress, love it. You die to wear it. But since the last one who did, did... Helen. You know what I mean. Make the gesture, it'll make him happy. Then wear the gorgeous one you had made. Wait. Jan came to see me about wait, two years ago. Just I need that clarified. What's her plan? She wears the first one when? No, her her the plan is that the uh, they go and she looks at the dress. She pretends she loves it, but like, oh no, it won't work for some reason. Like, okay. there's some sort something broken with it, or maybe you like put a hole through it, <laughs> destroy it, accidentally destroy it. Well, or Although you just I ask Helen to take care of the situation and don't ask any questions because we know that she's got her ways. To have somebody assassinated. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. And actually, before we start this uh, this scene, I'll do... Testifying psychologist! Doctor who's gonna be probably not quippy and comedic like the last scene. Probably not gonna be funny. Uh, yes, this psychologist is played by Dorothy Lyman, who has two daytime Emmys for All My Children, was also in On Mama's Family and The Nanny the death of her father. She was feeling sleepy and sad. She was having health problems that were interfering with her work. And she also complained about not being able to keep relationships with men. Anything else, doctor? Yes. There were periods of time that she couldn't account for. Sometimes minutes, but other times she lost hours. I found her to be suffering from PTSD. PTSD? Post-traumatic Stress disorder. Could you tell the jury what that is? Certainly. Basically, it's a complex set of reactions to a traumatic event. In this case, Jan was experiencing a flashback. Flashback? Yes. We see it often in Vietnam vets, rape victims, plane crash survivors. These flashbacks are short, but intense, and extremely real to the patient. You mean like a hallucination? Yes, but even more real. It's as if they are living inside of the memory, like it's happening at that very instant. And specifically, what memory are we talking about with Jan? Her being sexually abused by her father. That's Did heavy. you determine what triggers yeah. these flashbacks with Good Jan? information on It PTSD, could be almost though. anything. It's fairly a accurate. sound, a smell, for an anniversary of the event, 
What about a birthday party? That's certainly possible. Doctor, did you interview Miss Carlson after she killed her mother? Yes. I spent several hours with her. Did you form a medical opinion as to what happened that night? Yes, I did. Could you state it? In my opinion, Jan Carlson experienced a post-traumatic stress flashback. And while she was living inside of the memory of that sexual abuse, she lashed out at the one person that she then considered to be her most imminent threat. But her mother wasn't the one abusing her. At that moment, it could have been anyone in the room. Jan Carlson killed her mother without even knowing it. Mm. Interesting. Yikes. All right, we are now seeing the horrid dress. But it's it's a little short. I I, I think it's it's going to be too short. And what a shame. I'm told it can be lengthened. No problem. Bobby oh. is like, this is a oh. little nuts on Bobby's part. It is a lot nuts on Bobby's part. Oh, like, yeah. There's a no. I'm not going to tell it. Forget it. <laughs> aborted story yeah and coming from me i don't abort anything that's bad right wow is it from the 1800s i think it's edwardian Lindsay, you are gonna look so so beautiful and i mean i i i feel like i'm gonna cry just seeing you stand next to it (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could see it on without having to alter the because i mean it's just so perfect i would hate to do anything to it Uh, lucy would you try this on? Over my dead body. Ooh. I mean, Bobby, I wouldn't want to insult your mother's dead body. Oh, please. Ooh. It'll take you two seconds. Yeah. Uh, What's wrong? Uh, I have a memo to 1999. Uh, you can't make your You're assistant so try on clothes. That's going to be a hard no. You say that in one of the... I mean, there... I ha- we both had like relatively traditional-ish weddings. Uh, I guess me yeah. more so than you, but but both of us still like. And I had a lot of a, a relative amount of say in the planning of my wedding. In that, I just waited to be asked a question and then answered it. Fair. Uh, but even I know that you just defer all of those major bridal decisions to uh, I don't know the bride. Well, I mean, I, I I think it's perfectly fair to make decisions together on a wedding. Uh, certainly when you're talking about what you're wearing, it you defer to the person doing it. But uh, I tell you what you can't do is make unilateral decisions for the other person under any circumstances. While they're being, while they're recovering from a stabbing. <laughs> right. We'll put that caveat in. I, well, I always like to tell the story because it is true and Jen can object from the other room if she disagrees but (laughs) i'll get the the button ready i had some opinions about our wedding but i just really wanted her to have the wedding she wanted it's a big like the the wedding party portion was never as important to me and was more important to her so i wanted her to have more say so what i did and this is true is i played grand theft auto because it's a stressful time so i played grand theft auto for sure and as i was playing grand theft auto every night jen was allowed to ask me yes or no questions or either or questions. Do you like this or that? Should we do this or that? Do you like this? Yes or no? And it was the most wonderful setup. So the the wonderful setup, <laughs> I would just like to point out what this setup is. You 
play video games mm-hmm. and she plans the whole wedding <laughs> and she does everything. Well, it should be noted that is she was snug as a bug in the rug in that role. She was snug as a bug in that role. Sometimes I said no. <laughs> in my defense, I shot down some of the ideas while shooting somebody from a helicopter in Liberty City. I'm trying to think if I shot down any ideas. I think I, every once in a while I'd be like, oh, I was in charge of music. That's true. And every once in a while I'd be like, wow, that's expensive. To which she'd roll her eyes and we'd do it anyway. <laughs> well, she she These did just text the person to confirm no you were in charge of music. Over his or her actions. No conscious control. That's right. Or they have enough control to say grab a kitchen knife as a weapon. I think so. Well, would they have enough control to open a cabinet drawer to grab that kitchen knife? I don't know. Would a person have enough control over their actions to open a cabinet drawer, search for a knife from among a dozen other kitchen tools, then pursue a victim throughout the house? Objection. Objection. There's been no evidence of pursuit. Objection is sustained. Dr. Stager, can you tell us for a fact that Jan Carlson experienced one of these flashbacks the night she murdered her mother. Objection to the term murder. Murder involves a culpable state of mind. Withdrawn. Can you tell us for a fact she suffered from a flashback the night she killed her mother? That would be impossible to know. Have you ever seen the defendant experience a flashback? No. You've never seen it? Once? No. So for all you actually know, Jan Carlson may have made up these stories about flashbacks and sexual abuse. Look, I have been treating her for a very long time. Has she ever offered you any proof that she was sexually abused by your father? A diary, a doctor's note, a police report? I mean, would you pay to go to the therapist to just to just make up stories to tell? Well, no, of course. And, and you know, and this this sort of gets to the heart of the whole whole issue in terms of believing victims and especially with childhood abuse there sometimes is evidence but most often there isn't any and most children don't talk about it and they don't tell anybody it's you know it's pretty basic stuff when you're dealing with this type of abuse so yeah and we'll get into whether you should have to prove that abuse or not but you also have to show a motive right if it's not the child abuse thing you're going to need to show a motive as to why she killed her mom then. Right. Right. Anything. What's the bad guy from Ghostbusters going to do? Patients. You took her at her word. I feel that I can usually tell when a patient is feigning their symptoms. You and... took her at her word. Yes, I did. Thank you, Dr. Stark. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, yes, I'm ready for it. Probably the best use of this bumper that has ever happened. Parishioners, it is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy wearing? Lucy is wearing Bobby's mother's wedding dress, the Edwardian doily. The faded Edwardian doily. But that is not all, Keith. She's also wearing three-inch clogs. <laughs> well, I was big in the 90s. Wow. And the entire the firm is, is adjudicating Don't say her. a word to me. I think you look great. Never mind. You know, Bobby, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful dress. But, you know, it's really designed to be worn by 
a shorter person. I mean, plus, I don't know, I mean, the pressure of living up to your mother's memory. She hates the dress. I don't hate it. Thanks, Eleanor. Why don't you just tell him? It looks like wallpaper. Eleanor! It's more like a doily to me. Jimmy! You know those things you put on the arm of the chair. Yeah, I know what a doily is, but it doesn't look like that, Bobby. It's beautiful. Well, Lindsay, why don't you want to wear it if we can have it altered? She hates it! I don't hate it! Lindsay, do you hate it? Actually, Jimmy and Eleanor are helping well, in that situation. I, I, I would just rather wear the other one. No, I, I want you to wear this one. Bobby's got this weird. It's, it's. He's not playing it. I mean, it's a like, weird beat, but he's playing it weird too. It's creepy almost. I mean, I guess sudden, it is. He's like a raging, raging misogynist out of nowhere. With all due respect to your mother, the decision of what I wear it really should be my decision. Lindsay, yeah. this is very personal to me. I get that. I really do. But uh, a wedding dress, it's, it's very personal to the bride, too. Lindsay, I don't ask for much. One concession. You don't ask for much? You insist on a Catholic wedding. I'm Catholic. Well, I'm not. You, you picked out where we'd have the reception. It's a place near the church. What we'd eat. You said you didn't care. On the dress, I do care. I can't believe you're doing this. Bobby. Is this a partnership, or do you just dictate everything? I'm not dictating. I'm asking for one damn thing. This is not one thing. Oh, it's typical you'd be so stubborn. You have made every decision. Bobby is the lead of the show. Why would you make us hate him? <laughs> You're making us hate Bobby? Because we don't Without like consulting me. Now you're telling Bobby. me that I have to wear your dead mother's <laughs> bridezilla Bobby. Mother's doily? Well, I'm not. I'm wearing the dress that I picked out. If I have to eat communion, you can swallow this. Boom. Good job, Lindsay. Can you describe these flashbacks for the court? Well, the most common one, I'm in my bed looking up at the ceiling at where my mother painted clouds in a blue sky. Cloud Lover 69? No. And then the door opens quietly. Oh, we're and seeing I a flashback, know. black and okay, white. Yeah, pause it right I here. Can I just say, for the record, this is a flashback we do not need. Especially at when no we have a point do we need to see this. Yeah, and it and it. I have to be careful how I say this. It shows a level of now. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to David E. Kelly and the director and the producers that they wanted to just really make it heavy-handed and make it hit home. But I find it to be sort of a knock, a sort of a dig against an excellent actress who can clearly give you this monologue and give you every instance of emotion. We don't need this. Yeah, well, I, I, I completely agree. You're not giving the actress the credit. But also, like, I find it distasteful, borderline offensive that we're seeing this. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But yeah. even the, the whole... Uh, juxtaposition of this and the other storyline is you want to talk about distasteful a little bit but yeah but i i will say though that i feel so conflicted about this whole episode we're not even we're not we're not there yet but like the little detail about staring at the ceiling and and that's like that's a that's a real thing and like there's a lot of what we're about to hear here sounds like it was written by somebody who actually has some knowledge and has some experience in this world. And yet to juxtapose the sensitivity and the knowledge in that writing with this heavy-handed flashback. Anyway, 
We'll talk about it later. It's my father. I keep staring at the clouds, imagining myself high above everything. I don't look down. I never look at him. But I feel him. And then he's, he's inside me and it burned. I, I tell myself to think about the clouds, think about heaven, how much better it'd be up there. Then I hear a mother's footsteps stopping right outside my door. I scream, but nothing comes out. I try to punch and kick, but my arms and legs won't move. There's nothing I can do. And then the footsteps fade away. And I'm there, alone with him again. Jan, did you hate your mother? No. I loved her. I wanted her to love me, to save me. And when she didn't? I don't know. I never wanted to kill her. I just wanted her to love me. The night your mother was killed, do you remember anything? I remember her bringing out the cake. There were candles. You don't remember picking up a knife? No. One second there's a cake. The next, she's dying. I have no memory of what happened. Was there something about the cake that could have triggered these old memories? I hated my birthdays. He'd always come in on my birthdays. You used to work as a drafts person for a firm called mm. Madison and Company. That's a that's some some heavy, heavy, heavy work there. Yeah. I clearly didn't know the subject matter of this episode before I planned your big birthday celebration. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the exploding cake. Yeah, the whole it it all seems a little bit more premeditated than I intended. So just I want to make it very clear. I knew oh, not true. I knew nothing about birthdays or birthday oh my rapes God, I had, or anything. I had not made that connection yet, but that's really funny. Yeah, so these are mutually exclusive things. This birthday episode and Keith's birthday episode, separate but not at all equal. Wow. Yes. And in 1995, you quit. Could you tell us why? Their office had fluorescent lighting that gave me migraines, which ultimately became incapacitating. You spent the next three months working for the architect Dylan Wolf. Freelance. And according to records there, you left because you feared developing an ulcer. I was working 18 hours a day. It was extremely stressful. I was worried about an ulcer. And three months ago, you filed a workman's compensation claim against your employer, Baxter Design Corporation. You couldn't work because you hurt your arm and shoulder. It's called thoracic outlet syndrome. It happens to architects too. But in fact, Miss Carlson, you are about to be fired. 
by Baxter Design. No. You went to three specialists, and none could find a medical reason for your pain. Objection. What's the relevance of this? It goes to pattern. Every time the defendant is held responsible for her behavior, she develops a mysterious medical condition to blame. Objection. Move to strike that. Get fired from the job. Blame thoracic outlet syndrome. Well, Murder you your can, mother you in cold blood. It's post-traumatic stress disorder. Objection. Sustained. Ms. Carlson. I'm sure I know the answer to this, but yes. we've brought this question up before, and I'm just going to pitch it to our audience. Or Jen. I'm pretty, but I mean, it seems pretty self-explanatory. So we both agree, Keith, that during a trial, when something is objected to and then stricken from the record, it doesn't really achieve anything because the jury, regardless of how hard they try, it's now in their brain. Right. However, in future, in future uh, appeal, should the trial ever come to appeal, when the record is read back or if, mm -hmm. if testimony is ever then uh, referenced for future trials or appeal or, or what have you, right. it is literally stricken from the record. It's never yes. reheard. Yes. Okay, so it does, there is, it, it is, there is well, a the, reason behind it. No, the, there's value in appeal, but there's also... Frequently in, you know, a, a jury will ask for part of the record to be read back. Like, oh, you know, can you can you give me a copy of so-and-so's testimony mm -hmm. here while they're going over that? And so it would also be stricken from from there as well. So it's your limited, mother left in the state important value valued at two point three million dollars. Are you a beneficiary of that inheritance? I inherit with my sister. Yes. Well, there's your motive. It's all consistent with abuse survivors, ulcers, migraines. I say we recall Dr. Starger. It won't matter. It looks like she's making excuses. What about her pediatrician? Her pediatrician? We gotta show abuse occurred. We still but haven't... But never reported anything. Because they didn't in those days. But there's evidence of symptoms in her medical records. Look... She has urinary infections, weight loss. Those symptoms don't conclude abuse, and the pediatrician will just testify he didn't see anything to report. Excuse me, Miss Washington. My, my name is uh, Stephen Hatfield. I'm Brianna's husband. She's your client's sister. Yes, I know. How can I help you? Well, I'm not very comfortable coming to you like this, but I understand that Brianna testified that her father never abused her. Oh, shit. Yes. I believe that to be a lie. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Sister's husband! Husband who was playing Grand Theft Auto when he had a discussion. Oh, forget it. <laughs> I didn't even hear what... Should have just gone with... Uh, yeah. uh. This husband is played by Scott Clace. From Bosch, Secret Life of an American Teenager, King of the Hill, he was also Dremk in these Voyager episode Juggernaut. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. I don't think it's break. deliberate. I, I think that she's been lying to herself. About her being abused as a child. Yes. I knew her dad. A nicer guy you couldn't want. And I didn't want to believe Jan's accusations about the guy. But it got me thinking about some of the problems Brianna and I had had. What kind of problems? 
in the bedroom. Yeah, we 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 got Every time that. I would try to bring the subject up, she'd shut me down. Either that or she would accuse me of being oversexed. It got to a point where she wouldn't even let me touch her. Hmm. Then about six months ago, she filed for divorce. Mr. Hatfield, there could be a lot of reasons why you and your wife had sexual problems. Yes. But she had this reflex to being touched. Sitting in a chair or lying in bed next to me, if she saw that I was about to touch her, she'd be okay. Not relaxed, but okay. But if I ever came up on her from behind or, or, or touched her when she didn't see it coming, even a touch on the arm, her whole body would contract. I always thought it was possible she might be the victim of some abuse, and I tried to get her to talk to me about it. But she wouldn't go there. No, I have He's to lying. say here He's... that the stuff we're discussing and the way it's being described is pretty accurate and pretty pretty valid. Um, I, I suppose I should say I should I, as I as we frequently uh, as a straight white man speaking on all sorts of hot button topics on this show, I feel like I have very little validity to say on pretty much anything about anything. Uh, but this is one I actually do have a little bit of experience with in terms of, uh, you know, stuff like this, family trauma, family, di you know, differences of memory and uh, PTSD stuff. So, like, I, I can I can speak with a little bit more authority than <laughs> I do on ev almost every other subject, which is none. And it's it's funny, flashback aside, like, I feel like this is pretty well accurately describing a lot of the symptoms of this sort of a thing. He's trying to get back at me or something. What motive would he have to make this up? I don't know, but he's lying. It never happened. Priyana, did it? No, Jan, he's lying. Priyana? Jan, you know Stephen. He's got to find blame for everything. This is just his way of saying that the marriage failed because of me. You know Stephen. I don't believe her. I believe her, but maybe she's repressed it. What if you hypnotized her? Could that bring it out... It doesn't sound like she wants to be treated, and if so, I certainly can't force her. But we can force her to testify. Well, what good would that do? She would just deny How it. How convincing did you just find her? I don't want you to be brutalizing my sister. Jane. It's not called brutalizing. We refer to it as a soft plan B. Simone stands to convict you. <laughs> she had to testify. She was subpoenaed. Doesn't matter. What she said was damaging. Plus, this is no time to be protecting her. We gotta recall her. And do what? Whatever we can. Yikes. Well, if you stand in the back of the courtroom while she's testifying and, and put a stopwatch going back and forth, perhaps we can hypnotize her in real time. <laughs> From the <stand. laughs> Uh, why is Jimmy holding up that big spiral wheel? That's so weird. So, Keith, let me ask you a question. We have the bad guy from Ghostbusters as Ghostbusters. the prosecuting yeah. attorney. And at, mm -hmm. at uh, minute 25, second 10 of the episode, it sure as hell looks like the the Ghostbusters firehouse right there, doesn't it? It it does. It's, it does. I don't think it is, but it, it definitely looks a lot like it. It does. I, I'd almost want to see Ecto-1 coming by. Oh, I was going to talk about the EPA, which apparently was a villain. Didn't have to get anti -Catholic. <laughs> I wasn't anti-Catholic. I was referring to the length of the ceremony, which I wanted to be short. Still, you take shots at his mother and his religion. Don't you have work to do? Why is it? Keith, we're in Astoria, Queens, and what just drove by my window 
Mm. No comment. Is two motorcycles with gentlemen mm -hmm. uh, riding them with no masks. And on the back of each motorcycle is two miniature flags. One of the flags is a, an American flag. And the other flag is a Trump 2020, 20, not 2020, Trump 2020 flag. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, cruising judgment. up and down. Yeah. Cruising <laughs> up and down the street. I, I don't have no judgment. I have judgment. <laughs> no one ever wants my counsel. Lindsay, I think I think Keith does. Uh, no. <laughs> Excuse me. I said no. I don't know. I'm not sure that would make this is a me personal as matter. Ha you don't order me around as it would on you. personal matters. That's what you need to get, Bobby. Well, you want to talk about a personal matter in front of everybody else? No, but I don't want to be ordered. Why don't we pick a neutral? Stay out of this. <laughs> I'd love to. Tell me where's a good spot. Jimmy, shut you up. You're funny. Hey, hey, don't jump on him. You stay out of it too, Eleanor. Look, we don't want to be in it, so take. Oh, man, it's been at least 15 minutes before we had some inner office bickering. We're going to have to do it. No, we're going to have to bicker for no reason. Ah. I tried to. Yeah, but you ordered I'm unnecessarily quiet. angry. By the way, I'm leaving. Oh, there's a mature response. Just leave. Bobby. Do you know what the expression loss of consortium means? Because the I sister's suppose. back up on the stand. Your husband, Stephen Hatfield, claims your marriage failed because of loss of consortium. You wouldn't have sex with him. Is that true? No, it isn't. In the three years since your father died, about how often did you have sex with your husband? Do I have to answer these questions? I'm sorry, you do. How often? I don't know, every few weeks? Objection, what relevance is I am trying is to there? establish a history of sexual dysfunction. It isn't true. <laughs> I understand you don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it, counselor, because it isn't true. Do you consider your sister to be an honest person, Brianna? Yes. Ever known her to lie? No, except for this. This being her claim that she was sexually abused by your father? Yes. And why would she lie about this? I have no idea. No motive to your knowledge? No. And did you ever think, well, maybe it happened? No. It ever happened to you? No. He never opened your door and came into your room? No, he didn't. He never crawled into your bed? No! Because if he did, and you never said anything, I, I guess you'd feel a little responsible for him moving on to your younger sister. He never did that. Oh. Did what, come into your room or Jan's? Either. It never happened. You know for a fact it didn't happen with Jan. Now, how do you know that for a fact? I don't believe that it happened. So it's possible? No, it's not possible. So you know for a fact again? I Jackson. know for a certainty. And that's different than for a fact? Your Honor. All right, Mr. Young. Ms. Hatfield, previously you testified that when your mother and Jan started to argue, you fled the house. Why? I just didn't want to hear them fighting. So you didn't want to stay in the house and listen to talk about your father sexually abusing Jan? That's right. So you just ran out of the house, didn't want to deal with it? No. Do you love your sister Jan? Of course I do. Somebody you love claims she was sexually abused and you don't even want to talk about it. You run from the discussion. I don't believe she was sexually abused. Well, did you ever counsel her to get help? I mean, if she thinks she was sexually abused or, or lies about it, somebody you love, did you ever try to help her or see that she got help? Hmm, great question. No. Truth is, you didn't want to go near this subject, did you, Brianna? 
You had to run out of this room every time it happened because he touched you. No, he didn't. Just like you want to run out of the room now. He never touched me. She's on trial for murder here, and you're going to let her go down just like you let him go into a room. Stop it. Why can't you admit it happened? Why didn't you make him Carlson, stop? You, you made Daddy stop. Enough. I didn't have to feel alone. You gave your sister to him, Brianna. No, I yes, didn't. You gave her to young. him. I didn't do anything. You let him crawl into her bed just the way he crawled into Get yours. Get away from me. You get away! Look at your sister, Brianna. You can't even look at her. She needs you to remember. Jessica Steen right here. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. All right. We need to discuss that scene. I mean, first off, great performances Mm -hmm. all around. Very, very good writing. Um, You know, and I have been, this is now the second time I've seen this in 48 hours, and I'm, I'm still wrestling with the ethics of this from... Not from the standpoint of the of the show or the writing, but from from uh, Rebecca and Eugene's standpoint, because this is a really brutal thing to do to clearly someone who was a victim of abuse, and uh, you know when you're dealing with repression, whether it be willful or just flat out, she genuinely might not remember. In that situation. And so normally under any circumstances, like berating and intimidating an abuse victim to the point of breaking down here would be awful, would be monstrous. And at the same time, this is a murder trial. And, you know, like somebody might go to jail for the rest of their lives. So the stakes are very, very high. I'm, I'm, I'm still searching for what the right what the right move there is ethically. Well, I mean, the whole show, right, is an exploration that right and wrong ethically aren't distinctions we can make. There's, It's all gray area. And I think that, you know, this particular, I'm liking this particular beat because how many times have we spent hours and hours of episode and communication between us, just conversation, in discussing the ethics of the plan B? Whereas someone you know for a fact had nothing to do with a murder, you brutally accuse on the stand just right. to draw some dis- some space of doubt be- to- for the jury and for your client. And so this is not that. This is not accusing her of murder, but it's pulling up some really painful things in order to help shine some light on the defense you're trying to draw for your client. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm someone... You know, because of my, you know, awareness of this particular subject, who was very defensive of, I'm I'm apt to want to defend the victim in this situation. Um, And that's like very important to me. And at the same time, this is a situation where there are two victims here Mm -hmm. and you don't have the perpetrator. Perpetrator's dead. Three victims. 
Well, sure, yeah. He, the, the mom didn't right. rape them. No, uh, but I mean, clearly, I, I mean, getting into the mom's culpability in the big picture is, is an entirely separate issue. But here you you have to sort of re-traumatize one victim to protect another victim. And, and it's a very, I was watching, as I started watching the scene, I was like, why is Eugene doing this and not Rebecca? And you realize for exactly the reason, <laughs> I mean, Eugene is a big, intimidating man. And he was the one who was going to be able to elicit this reaction, which is brutal and yet also kind of what his job is. I, it, it's a very, I, I like this scene, not because I enjoy watching some, that go down, but because it really is a fascinating ethical dilemma there. Well, what's even more meta about it, and we can talk about this later, what's more meta about it is that as we have this pause right now, it's fading to black. Something tells me we're going to come back from commercial in the next scene and be having somebody wearing Bobby's dead mom's wedding dress again and have a laughy laugh moment. So the <laughs> ethics of writing the teleplay for the right. of this episode is pretty interesting, too. Yeah. Well, I, what else? What do you make a B story with this A <laughs> it's story? It's a dress. Exactly. Oh, so what's the big deal about me wearing it? Well, that's my question. What's the big deal to you about wearing it when you know how important it is to me? Why the hell isn't it important to you how I feel on my wedding day? Did you ever stop to consider that, Bobby, that, that, that it's my day too, or is it only your day? Like it's only your marriage? What's that supposed to mean? It means that you don't look at this like a partnership, or if you do, you consider yourself a senior partner. Well, if it's going to be that, Bobby... Lindsay, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Yes, you're acting like a crazy person. Uh, I mean, is this what just Don't lay this on stress don't or think PMS it's Look, I'm just or whatever trying to talk to you, you and you're screaming at me. I hate the way you proposed to me. Well, we've gotten to the bottom of it. Although there didn't need to be a bottom. The top is no, pretty good. No, did not need to be a bottom. Let me get down to the bottom of what's going on with Bobby. It came out of trauma. And that's... I mean, you're so guarded. So... Kelly Williams is You good. keep your, your emotions in a vault. It took some, some catastrophe to set them loose when I got stabbed, but that was just a fluke. I mean, do I have to get on a deathbed for you to unlock? Lindsay, what is going on? I don't want to wear your dead mom's wedding dress? When you lost your mother, I don't know, I... It must have been some kind of pain. From what I gather, you you two. I don't think you'll ever risk getting hurt like that again. I don't think you'll ever let somebody become the center of your life. You you lose too much control or something. What are you telling me? He's making very valid points here. You don't want a partner. You you want an accessory. To compliment your life, not... Mm, I feel like the wedding's on hold, Keith. I don't want in on that. I think it might be, yeah. I don't want to end up... marooned on your island. Well, there we go. We've gotten the maroon. Bobby's hey, the, we did it! Bobby's the pirate. He's the Captain Ahab in this analogy. <laughs> Maybe we He's should Captain A-hole. Zing! Ooh. You don't want. You don't want to get married. 
I think that's what she's saying, Bob. No. Can I, can can I still stay here though? That okay. shot also looks like it was digitally cropped. I think they forgot to get the close up, and they digitally cropped the close up of Bobby at the end of that shot. Yeah, well, there's way too much season left for there to be a wedding anytime soon. So I feel like if we're gonna have a great big wedding type of season finale, we have to we had to put the brakes on anyway. Right, right. When we're uh, we're uh, uh, Joey Herrick is the uh, the officiant right keith i'm gonna i'm taking us i'm taking a left turn here that you did not see coming oh okay i haven't seen anything coming today and i apologize in advance for speaking of tonal inconsistencies and and (laughs) Uh and sea stories oh no it just it became clear to me as they were talking there and trauma jesus so yesterday uh may 16th it was the 19th anniversary of when my dad died oh and I'm listening to us joke. I'm watching this episode and I'm listening. And I realized, and it's kind of happy memory. I, I realized that it would have taken one hell of a leap to get my dad's technologies, uh, uh, abilities up enough for him to listen to shit in his car. But he drove so much. He would have loved this podcast. Do you think? I absolutely know so. Absolutely. And he would be calling me all the time to like raise points and to talk about shit and absolutely think so. So I thought, I don't know. I felt like sharing. I think that's, I think that's amazing. Well, it, it know, just if, dawned on me. If there is such a thing as an afterlife, perhaps he is. Now I would hope there's more shit to do in the afterlife than listen to podcasts <laughs> from earth. To <laughs> you have the entire of space and time. <laughs> Every universe and dimension is at your fingertips, and you're going to listen to this shitty podcast. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. If he were alive, for sure, but eh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> he probably just skips around, listens to the beginning. Oh, tonalist consistencies all over the place. Exploding <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> birthday cake. Sad piano. Imagine you're nine. <laughs> it's your birthday. Wait a second. Oh, and wait, you- wait, wait, wait. Uh, where is it? It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, you cry instead. Closing time. Four. For the defense, Rebecca Washington. Imagine you're nine. It's your birthday. And your mother brings out your birthday cake and tells you to make a wish before you blow out the candles. Do you wish for a new bike? A doll you saw at a toy store? Jan Carlson wished her father would stop forcing her to have sex with him. She prayed for someone to protect her from this nightmare. But not long after she blew out the birthday candles, her father would creep into her bedroom with one last gift to give her. So, she picks up a knife and murders her mother. Not her father. The one who supposedly committed these horrific acts. Her mother. And then trots out, hey, I was abused as a child. Post-traumatic stress disorder. 
and that's a good one. We see all kinds of imaginative defenses these days. We have rape trauma syndrome, battered wives syndrome, steroid rage, Prozac defense. There are as many disorders as there are crimes these days, and they all amount to the same thing, escaping responsibility. This isn't something she invented. You heard the expert medical testimony. Jan Carlson's mind was gone that night. She was suddenly reliving an awful memory, a horrible memory of sexual abuse. You listened to Jan. You listened to Dr. Starger. And you listened to her sister Brianna, didn't you? The power of a mind to fight off a memory. For three years, Bernard Carlson entered Jan's room. For three years, her mother knew and did nothing. And on February 9th, Jan's mind, caught in that memory, just snapped. She snapped. And after snapping, she stands to inherit more than a million dollars. I love she either did it for the money the or she did it for revenge. Either way, it's murder one. Where's Bobby? He's in his office. Tell him I'm here. Ooh, Helen is. What are you gonna hype. do? Who said it was your business? My friend, my business. What are you gonna do? Helen, she left me. There's nothing I can do. Listen to me. When you and I were dating, I got this sense that. You had it all figured out, how life would be, how it should be. And when you found somebody who fit nicely into your little life plan, you'd get married. Now, I knew I would never be the one to just fill that Helen's slot. Thank you, Helen. I'm not interested. Bobby, in would you listen to me? I might not have another chance to interfere, okay? Lindsay's not going to slide into any <laughs> slot either. And your life might not fit so her any better than your mother's dress. But if you love her, if Helen, you want... Helen, if you don't let go of me... Bobby, you want to spend the rest of your life alone? As much as I love her, she's not the one I'm worried about. She's the greatest woman I know. She'll find somebody, probably better than you. Wow. Thank you. But you're not going to find anybody better than her. I know it, and you know it. Let her be your partner, Bobby. Not just because it's what she wants. Because it's what you need. That's great coming from Helen, I think. Yeah. How much longer? Uh, we don't know. There's no way of telling. Jury is out. Tell me something good, Rebecca. Tell I need to hear something, something good. good. That was the magic of threes there, Keith. She finally, that was her little, her quip there. Tell me something mm -hmm. good. That was the third time she said it. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, her sister's there. Uh-oh. It's about time. Unfortunately, even though she's about to admit it... I'm sorry. It doesn't feel like that much of a win. It's a huge win. But it doesn't actually. feel that way, you know what I mean? I'm sorry I made you feel so alone. Clearly, they both lost. Well, it's the opposite. Remember? It's a huge feeling win. I it's don't a, know, Jan. not much of a practical win. But I think I need someone to help me. You remember. I'm 
I'm sorry, Danny. I mean, in terms sure of back. both of their experiences for the rest of their life, wherever they are, having that validation is giant. The underscoring here does not instill me with confidence. Will the defendant please rise? It's Mr. Foreman, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you? On the count four, two, one, one, three, murder in the first degree, we, the jury, find the defendant, Jan Carlson, not guilty. On the count four, two, one, one, four, murder in the second degree, we, the jury, find the defendant, Jan Carlson, not guilty. Wow. Acquitted. Defendant is released. The jury is dismissed to the thanks of the court. We are adjourned. Wow. I thought second degree was coming in. Yeah. Suck it, Ghostbusters. I, it, even though it was a, a, a short beat, I think that what I will give this episode is that it makes up for some of the failings of the last arc we just discussed last week about how they had such a chance to like talk about getting someone with with dementia some help. Yeah. And this week at least they advocate for getting help. Yeah. Well, and and also treat the you know, PTSD and dementia are very different things, but to treat the thing that they were facing seriously and get into it. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're gonna slow fade to the Bobby relationship arc here with Kelly. Lindsay, excuse me. Is the pirate gonna come back in? He's gonna swashbuckle his way back in? Are we still out. getting married? No, we don't know if we're still getting married. I'll wear the dress. <laughs> That's the worst pirate I've ever heard. <laughs> I haven't totally figured out how to let people in my life. Everything you said, the things you fear, probably all true. But this. But you don't have to wear my mom's wedding dress on our wedding day, but you're damn sure gonna wear it on our wedding night. I got a very big dick. I don't want to share my life. That I don't want a partner. That I reject. I love you, Lindsay. Whatever I have to do to convince you of that. To earn the right to go on loving you for the rest of my life. Oh, at least two more, three more seasons. I'll do it. Four more. I mean, Man. how do you say no to those baby blues? I won't wear that dress. Forget the dress. <laughs> 
Roberta Kittleson will be a bridesmaid. You have to let yeah. me Yeah. I will. Okay. They've got great chemistry. Let's get married. Yeah, they do. And I gotta say, as much as I normally hate the relationship stuff, this one was a much more interesting, real angle that we've seen thus far. That was a, I thought that was really well done. A little ham-fisted at the beginning, but well, I mean, it, got, also, it got to a good place. Let's not forget you have a heart of, a heart of ice. So. I do. I do have a cold death. Oh, we got another crime scene here. Any nuns? Do you see any nuns, Keith? None. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? They picked up some food for dinner. Brianna came out of the restaurant, started walking to the car, and she says she saw her father. Oh, shit. And just gunned the accelerator. Ten people witnessed it. She killed her sister? She ran over Brianna. Wait. Congratulations. She really does have a disorder. You got her off. You couldn't have got her some help. Oh, shit, they threw that right back in my face, didn't they? I have thoughts. Did they just cut the balls off their whole point? Jan? I don't remember. I saw him, then... Is it really Bree? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Is she gonna be okay? She's gonna be okay, right? She won't be in any other episodes, unfortunately. Tell me something good, Rebecca. Oh, that's the fourth time. Now it's not funny. something good. Tell me something good. Okay. So they just I made need, her full on crazy instead of I, like Yeah, hold on. I I need to make the microphone once you're done with that further away from my face hole. You can never make it stop. Because I hate that twist. That's terrible. That yeah. is some bullshit. That is a disservice to all of the fine work you've done so far. You do all of this work to have a compassionate, well-understood, educated uh, story about this with, with heart and compassion and, and depth. And then you're just like, oh, the, all right, she's, victims are serial killers. What the fuck? Yeah, well, they, it's that. funny. They like worked so, that last scene with Bobby and Lindsay. They sort of pulled, they sort of, tamed down the camp and it was really beautiful and then on the last scene of the other story which was going well they sort of took the balls out of the whole sort of point and just made her a lunatic was, and made it, it seem like horrible oh. it's a like what are they saying there they they're saying that victims are insane and will kill you uh, written by someone who like with all the research they did clearly to write everything up to that point that about, was it, it would have been a great episode too, and would have been completely plausible for her to get off murder one, but still be found guilty of murder two because she still did kill her mom in a fit of rage because you know, induced well, by I, this. 
no, but I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I, I like that's you know that's a, a different discussion. But I think what what message are you sending here? Or not? That, or, or we didn't need either of that. We didn't need that beat at all. You know what I mean? Like we, we don't we don't need we you don't need to have a crazy twist at the end of every episode, especially if it neuters and invalidates the forty one and a half minutes of work you've done up to that point. And they even gave the prosecuting attorney sort of a, that last line, that last quip. Being Ghostbuster like, well, gets the zing. Yeah, I feel I just felt. Which doesn't even make any sense. Which did because you're like, get her help. Her her psychologist was there the entire time. Do you hear? Do you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Those are wheels and tires <sighs> falling off rapidly. Oh my god, the tires are falling off like the cake exploding. Let's go ahead and jump into where we can discuss it with an actual adjudicating score. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention... This is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're a fake awards system that begins with... Well, it was a partnership. But every partnership, as Bobby's marriage proves, needs a captain. And in this case, the captain... <laughs> a pirate. A pirate yeah, captain. Arr, arr. The captain be Arabeca Washington. <laughs> as... <laughs> Arabeca. Arabeca Washington. Uh, oh, my God. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. I Well, I agreed that it was uh, a partnership. And I think Arabeca did... <laughs> tremendously uh but i also believe in equal partnerships so i'm giving mine to you jane we've stretched this about as thin as it can go oh (laughs) all right well the splitsy goes to eugene and rebecca eugene and rebecca okay next up Already famous because you've been on TV Getting a paycheck the first entry on your IMDb Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode I thought sisters Jan Carlson and Brianna Hatfield were excellent. Uh, so respectively, that's... Bonnie Root and Jessica Steen really had some powerful performances this week. Yeah. Uh, but that performance by Bonnie Root, I think, is really sensational. And uh, I, I'm sad that it was cut a little bit short with that stupid flashback. But nonetheless, I still think she stood head and shoulders, even with some kind of cheat really tropey little like things like that repeating like having her shaking back and forth and repeating that is clearly yeah that is clearly direction and clearly in the screenplay uh but she still was connected and i thought really powerful so bonnie root is my best guest actor 
yeah, and I I think she did a tremendous job. And I I actually there's a couple of times where I thought she was directed poorly. I there there's a couple of moments that I felt like she was being directed to do more than she should have. And I'm I'm assuming based on the rest of her work that it wasn't that her instincts were bad. It was because the director's like, we need something visual. Show your pain visually with your hand or something. And I thought that was a little bit much. Um, but I thought she did great. Uh, my vote is actually, I'm going to go splitsies two for two right now. I'm going to give it to the other sister, Jessica Steen, who I thought in her her scene with Eugene on the stand was just dynamite. And I think the best moment in the episode. So uh, congratulations to Bonnie Root and Jessica Steen on your Best Guest Actor Awards. Coming up next. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. So I thought that Rebecca was great in this episode, and so was Eugene, as they they sort of took the focus. However... Lisa Gay and Steve. Lisa Gay and Steve. Not only do the Trump bikes go by, but now there's like a full-on dogfighting ring in the street. It's getting a little grim there in Queens, huh? Jesus. Um, I mean, what is happening out there? You probably can't hear it. (laughs) I have the gate up, but uh, the noise gate. Yikes. There's like five dogs going crazy. Uh, So... But I really, I got to tell you, I was moved the most through this episode by Kelly Williams. And especially in that last scene with her and Bobby. And just throughout, I thought she was excellent. I don't know, my vote's for Kelly Williams. Yeah, I I was really pleased to see as ridiculously and like dumbly as Bobby was written this episode, at least for the first half. I think both the performance from Kelly Williams and the way they wrote Lindsay was much better in this episode. I mean, mean, Kelly's always great, but but she doesn't always have good writing for her character to back it up when she's not in the courtroom. Uh, And so I was really happy to see that all play out. I was on her side. She was was strong and tough and smart, and I liked that beat for the character. So I agree with you this time. And Kelly Williams, you get your Oopsie Award. Coming up next. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. The non-forgotten Tom Brady Award this time. Well, I have this one prepared. Uh, <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, in our final celebration this week, at least, of... <laughs> I was going to actually do the Photoshop myself, but I decided it's, oh. um, it's more fun if I make you do it. Great. So this week, the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady goes to Tom Brady wearing Bobby's dead mom's wedding dress popping out of a birthday cake for Keith. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady goes to Tom Brady wearing Bobby's dead mom dress popping out of a birthday cake for Keith. Correct. That's gonna be that's gonna be a little tough to fit on the graphic, but that's that's part of part of the what I what I take on for our dear listeners is the is the true uh, duty of making that nonsense fit every week. So congratulations to 
Tom Brady wearing Bobby's dead mom's wedding dress, jumping out of a birthday cake for Keith and your Tom Brady worth being Tom Brady. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. We were on such an upward trajectory yeah, when it comes sure to were. this season. And we were in the high eights, nines. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and all things that go up must come down, Keith. This week was a bit of a letdown from the production side, from our from our direction and from our writing. I just, there was so much inconsistency, which is, you know, a trope of the show and, 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 and a lot of times ends up working. Less so this week. And a lot of that's, I think, that the subject matter was just so sensitive and the juxtaposition with the kind of comedic, the, it was very camp, the wedding dress stuff, up until the very end. Right. And so that, it pulls you out of it. And I don't know if it was, it, it clearly wasn't designed to pull you out of it, but I think it was designed to sort of hedge their bets, right? Sometimes they're not as willing to go go for it when it comes to yeah. a certain subject matter. And then on top of that, even though they end up going there at the end, and I mean, they gave you some graphic stuff that was handled, I thought, delicately. And and as you've mentioned, I, I don't really have a lot of experience in this universe. So I'll take your word that it was it felt uh, respect respectful and true to life in many ways. Yeah. Compassionate, let's say. However, I just think they undo any of that by that end scene. Maybe we're overanalyzing it, but I just felt like it sucked the life out of any compassion or believability of it. It just was like, oh, no, got, turns out she was just a murderer from the get. Or this, yeah. ca her trauma caused her it, to be a murderer. It makes you a serial killer to go through that. And yeah. then they gave her the whole rocking thing. It, it went from PTSD, she had an episode, which is a real thing that happens to real people, and then just made her a rocking, crazy mess at the end. Right, we went full cuckoo's nest. And that sucks. And yeah. uh, so the tonal inconsistency meets the, the shitty ending, I think, brings it down to a 6.5 for me. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, I did not have as much of a problem with the tonal in inconsistencies between cases. I, I didn't, like, the, like, it's it's a heavy case, you know, that I, I actually ended up, I started out hating the B story and ended up enjoying it. I didn't, care about that as much this episode i feel so torn about because uh you know obviously i i feel very connected to the source you know to, to the subject and have a lot of thoughts and feelings and opinions on it and i felt a lot of things as we went through the show and when i say it was handled with compassion and some knowledge and delicacy that applies to 85% of their storytelling on this subject. But that 15% they fucked up, including the flashback, which we really didn't need. That was not delicately handled. That was not necessary. I don't think an audience needs to see the little girl's eyes to have compassion for her. And if you do you're a monster. <laughs> like, he's like, ah, I, I can't feel for this in the hypothetical sense. Uh, and I also feel, you know, and of course the ending, which undercuts everything. So if you, if you wrote, if you gave me this episode without the flashback, 
without the twist at the ending, I'd be giving it like eight to eight point five, genuinely. Like, and I was, I was like, most of the way through the episode, I'm like, I really, I'm like, I'm really on board with this. I'm really glad they're telling the story, this, that, the other thing. But then the way they just fucked themselves up in this incredibly disappointing manner. Uh, and I'll tell I'll tell you this, because of the high stakes of this subject matter, not sticking the landing on this loses you more tires than it would on a lot of other topics. So as a result, I am throwing off three tires. You only get one tire left, so that gives from my eight, so that gives it a five. You get five spare tires for your weird mess. So what, five and three quarter tires ish? No, just just five tires. No, I mean averaging with oh, my oh, six oh, and a half. At, yeah, five and three. Yeah, five point seven five spare tires. Uh, you know, it's another one of those episodes where it's like, I don't know whether or not to give it a hot like because it's so inconsistent. Yeah, it, it averages out to like a mediocre number when it's not mediocre. It's really good and really bad. Yeah, but when you're when you're tasked with definitively ranking for the yeah. for the ages, you know, we have it's a very important duties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well, important duties. I mean, every duty you do is an important duty, Keith. And that's how we're gonna end the show here on the <laughs> on the eve of my fortieth year. Thanks for uh, thank you so much for sending all of those messages. I really, really do appreciate it. If you would like to send more messages about this or any other subject, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can join the jury. Please join the jury by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on social media at Out of Practice Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And the definitive ranking of episodes that might mentioned before can be found at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com You still have a week to write in any birthday messages for our intrepid hero Keith Barney as he ventures into the second half of his life and on behalf of myself and all of our listeners we're so glad that we're a little part of that life with you Keith so you can do that as Keith said at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com or Anchor gives the ability to do that if you would like to help us continue our journey you can check out the show notes where we leave a link where you can donate to the podcast. You sexy bitch. Happy birthday. Laser sounds. <laughs> Laser sounds.